Welcome to the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Laura. So this is going to be a really random interactive conversation, which we hope you enjoy. But we're coming off a pretty long hiatus of not podcasting. So we you can tell when you hear the roughage as we go through and you're like, what's that in the background? Yeah. And me kind of stammering an introduction because we haven't done this in many, I guess, three years or four years. I forget. Three years. Yeah, almost yeah. three years. Yeah. And so we... We did podcasts for several years prior to that, and we took a hiatus, and a lot of things have happened in our life, and uh, we didn't talk in that three years hiatus. Like, we can only talk to each other via podcast. Well, that's not entirely true, but yeah. So since we needed to catch up with each other, we thought we would um, dust off the rust of the podcast and uh, start it up again so we could see what's happening in each other's lives. So maybe this is a one-episode thing. Maybe it's 100 episodes. Maybe it's 1,000 um, we don't we don't know, but we decided to at least uh, give it a shot again. We hope to have a lot of our um, old friends come on. We'll have some interesting panel discussions uh, at, at times and kind of play it by ear to see what this uh, turns out being. So if you like the super hyper uh, shiny produced podcast. This um, idiot. Yeah, stop it now. But if, if you like the kind of uh, conversation amongst friends, then this is a great place for you to be. So – Let's let's do let's catch up, um, and let's start with Laura. So, uh, Laura, what's happened in your life over the last three years? What are you doing? Where are you working? Kind of thing. Like once a show host, always a show host. Jeff gets into the questions of how are you? What's going on? Tell us about your life. Uh, Cliff notes: finished a PhD in June. Traveled around for like six to seven weeks. Uh, the Northwest, all the state national parks, and then. Went to a new job, jumped from administration to the dark side, the faculty side of higher ed. Um, I like it. I'm a lecturer there at University of North Texas. I work in learning development, um, learning technologies as my department, and I live in the College of Information. So I'm not an education per se. I'm more of a social scientist in that area. And courses I teach would be around professional development, uh, public speaking, technical presentations, instructional design training and development, human resources, things like that. And then my other home where I live and work is in Royal Roads University in Victoria, British Columbia. I don't live at either place. I can work remotely because I work online and that's a unique feature. So most of my face-to-face are meetings with friends on Skype and colleagues on GoToMeeting or Google Plus with students and staff and things like that. So it's been quite great. It's been different, and I've learned how to kind of project manage myself. I do a lot more running, yoga. I get involved with random things like rescue groups, so that ends up having a few fur friends around every now and then. And I have one full-time fur friend named Jack, and he's all right. He's a little pup. Oh, he wrote his name, so he's looking up. And, uh, yeah, my partner in crime... Um, change jobs at 40 so if you don't think you like what you do then change so we went back to school and he's now in um, the cyber technology world at a big uh, one of the big four and he's enjoying it loving life and we have a pretty simple life we travel a bit we make some delicious food and we encourage people to come visit us so whether they're local friends family or an airbnb guest uh, we could talk about that in another episode but yeah. we host some folks from near and far from Airbnb the last couple of years. Exciting. And what about you? 
And you're up? you're in you're still in Dallas. I live in Dallas. Yes. Um. And do you actually live in Dallas? Yeah, North Dallas. So I am in the crux of the two major highways: the Dallas Toll Road and the PJ, President George Bush Tollway. Because because almost every time I meet someone from Dallas, it's like, "Where are you from? Dallas? Oh, what part of Dallas? Uh, where in Dallas do you live? Oh, Plano." It's like no one actually seems to actually live in Dallas, though it's I do, one of the not largest cities. Downtown, or like we're called North Dallas, but my address is Dallas. So yeah, so it's really hard to uh, remember exactly where my life was when we stopped podcasting. Um, other than to know it was stressful, and that's one of the reasons why I could no longer do it. I we were both doc students then. Yeah, I started my doctoral program. I had my second child. Who had some um, not major but minor health issues that are still stressful to parents that she has now out fully out, outgrown or mostly outgrown, um, so it's not really an issue uh, now. And she just turned four, so um, it's it, I know it's it's been a while since then. So I I finished my uh, doctorate degree a couple of years ago, I guess, or a year and a half ago. I work at this on the same campus. I work at the UTL Science Center in San Antonio. I was the director of student life uh, when we were doing podcasts here. I went to be the director of medical student programs, and I did that for two years. And just recently, I'm doing assessment and curriculum evaluation for the School of Medicine. And so I'm kind of not a student affairs person anymore, which is kind of weird because I've done that's been my entire career. Yeah, I, I, I mine too, that. I guess. I didn't say I was yeah. an academic counselor i worked with exploring majors undecided we ran first year program initiatives and i've left that as a practitioner i haven't fully left because i'm actually interested in understanding and studying the student affairs folks and how they're working living and being online and i've got pulled back into some of the associations i gave up on when they didn't merge in 2010 you know who you are but I got involved again because I think they recognize there's a skill gap in not just technology, but like understanding how to develop and support that development in different ways um, beyond a conference or a webinar. And they're still working out, working it out and asking questions and wanting to figure it out. And I think there's some really neat communities out there that are doing it real, really well and ad hoc and pseudo supported by them. So that's how I'm still connected to student affairs. And I guess I'm going to make you be connected as a researcher at some point. So, yeah. So I've stayed connected because so I do adjunct faculty. I guess I'm on adjunct faculty at two different campuses, though at the moment I'm not teaching anywhere. So I started it at Texas State University in San Marcos, um, which is between San Antonio and Austin for the non Texas geographical inclined people. And then also in San Antonio at UTSA. Uh, University of Texas San Antonio, at their program, which I did last spring and last this past fall. So I guess I'm technically still on both of their staffs, but I don't. As the life of an adjunct, you don't know when that's coming up again. So yeah. maybe next fall I'll teach something again. I just finished a class this past fall, and so that. What do you teach? Because I'm an adjunct student affairsy, but I want to hear what you teach first. So at Texas State, it was called. Once called the American College Students, and I think it was called like di- diversity and something something in student affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I think the diverse students or something like that is how it was. I I should know. 
Uh, so, Paige, I hope you're not listening. Actually, that course is no longer a part of the curriculum. Program. So that course okay. has been, they did a curriculum uh, adjustment, and that course is no longer there. Uh, so if I teach at Texas State, I don't know what it will be. So okay. uh, yet to be determined. Uh, and at uh, UTSA, I did their uh, foundations course, uh, foundations historical perspectives of student affairs. And I did a course... Um, it, it's kind of like almost like a management uh, a, a management course. It's I it was they have a partnership with Alamo Colleges, okay, as, which is the community college system here. So yeah. I taught for UTSA, but on the San Antonio College campus for Alamo College employees, and it was basically kind of like leadership and management, um, like human resource management kind of kind of thing, which is really uh, really interesting. Um, we can talk about that later, but a lot of leader, basically a lot of leadership stuff and working with people and strategic planning. Uh, you know, you're, what I have a philosophy of always having like assignments around uh, like personal reflection and personal um, exploration, their their career exploration. So a lot of my assignments have to do with like goal planning. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like research those jobs. Like how? Like what's your career plan? Um, and, and this last one was about they had to create like a division that they were going to be in charge of. So they had to think of like the organizational chart and all those kind of all those kind of things. That's good. Yeah. I've only taught one student affairs e kind of class, and it's it was with Royal Roads, and it's because my boss George Velichanos created this course, and it was for their HEAL program, the Higher Education and Administration Leadership Program. It's primarily online, and the course I taught was called Leveraging Technology for Administration, Administration Administrators in Higher Ed. And it was interesting because it was kind of like a mashup of instructional design, design development theory meets um, administration planning, like assessment, and then an applied project. So they had to do like individual team and other projects that related to issues or challenges they wanted to tackle. They had to read a couple of books related that were recently published. So some of it was, I guess, more research-esque than I thought or that George thought when he designed it because a lot of my students are practitioners in the fields that this may or may not be something they do. Um, but yeah, so... I learned a little bit from teaching this class, and if the opportunity comes next um, August to fall to teach it again, I would love to because I, there's some iterations of a change. Um, we had them do some concept mapping, which someone told me that was too academic-y as well. I was like, hey, it wasn't my idea. But it would give me some ideas for what I do with the class again. Um, and I don't know too many U.S. schools with that. There's University of Milwaukee. Wisconsin, Milwaukee, that has kind of an online adult ed admin, but I don't know a lot of other ones that teach a class that's specifically planning with technology. No, because that was kind of, you know, we, you and I were both so focused on technology for a long time. Like I kind of wanted to develop a student, a student first classroom technology. It was kind of my being naive around how how it works right because you have a limited degree plan that you don't have a lot of electives you don't have a lot of luxuries of hiring somebody to come in to pay them however many thousands of dollars to come in and create an elective class for someone who may or may not show up like these these degree right. plans are, are pretty a pretty set largely pretty set 
so, but I ended up being agent in other ways um, and integrating technology and use the te- and, and technology competencies in other in other ways and what they're going to do in the class. So as as my career has developed and, I, and I'm somewhat outside of student affairs, it's still the lens of how I view my job. And because student affairs really taught me how to how to do assessment, uh, do an assessment with like student learning in mind. And so I've taken a lot of that kind of background and knowledge into what I'm doing now, which is which has been a great a great fit. Okay, so before this show ends, we're going to talk about um, kind of the like podcasts we listen to and how they've changed over the time since we've since we've stopped. Also. These are some potential feature show topics that will come up in no particular order. Um, working in the Netherlands could be in both of our features. <laughs> Jeff's been like wanting to live this dream forever. Um, ukuleles. Do you know that the Netherlands only accepts one citizenship? So if you really want to become Dutch, you have to rescind the American one. Well, in higher education, they ha- they they have exceptions for people working in higher education to work without without being a citizen, and apparently, like a good tax break. Not that I've looked into it or anything. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I think yeah, ukuleles could be because you see some hanging on my wall. There's one, yes. and there's two. Perhaps actually, my Dutch friend who lives in formerly New Zealand, now um, Australia, is the one who gifted me my first ukulele, and it was that brown one that you see. Um, so yeah. If you want to talk Dutch, we can weave her and ukuleles in. We can ask some questions. Her name's Joyce. We're going to have a reunion show at points. Yep, we will. Gary and Jeff and Julie. Sue and Julie Bruce. and who I saw Julie recently. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Julie Larson. So we had breakfast, and she gave me a, a tour of University of Washington's campus, which is beautiful. And I've thought about moving to Seattle, but probably get re- rather moved to the Netherlands instead. Because the coffee is really good. I guess the coffee is good in Seattle too. But coffee is good in lots of other places. Australia, Melbourne, it's great. Who who's heard of great great Australian coffee? When's the last Are you time I've gone to Melbourne? If you, my friends from Melbourne, were going to come on and troll you now based on your comment, they're known for their coffee. It's amazing. But when have you gone to a coffee shop and like, oh, we have this great like Melbourne roast? It's not Melbourne per se. It's how they make the coffee. It's the the process of a coffee. No one just has a coffee pot. So I have a coffee pot, like, you push the button, it drips, it's great. Joyce loves it. She goes, oh, it's like the Dutch do, they just have a pot of coffee on. In Melbourne, it's like single cup, 12 minutes later, you have a cup. That that sound effects was for just the podcast, but that's really how it is. 12 minutes, though? Maybe not that long, but it feels that long when you're waiting for coffee. And you need it. maybe, Maybe I need, like, Melbourne coffee recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. We when are you going to Melbourne? Scheduling it right now. It's been, I've had some some difficulties scheduling, but it's in it's in the works. Good. Okay. Happy to happy to put a compilation together for you. I, I uh, also the coffee we use at home is a Dutch coffee. <laughs> if it ain't Dutch, it ain't much. That's what my dad it, says. That's, that's that is true, and it's actually uh, coincidental that it was Dutch coffee. Um, we have a strong love for food, so we could talk about breakfast tacos that are strangely, uniquely, not only here in Texas, but very good here in the state. So I'd, I'd miss this fair Lone Star State if I left for that reason. Breakfast tacos, margaritas yeah, as well. 
food food would be hard i I think food uh, the culture of like texas food would be hard to leave um like the barbecue and tacos and i i had a um in a medical student interview i had one person ask me the best question they've ever asked me because they were coming from the university of texas was who has better tacos austin or san antonio because apparently there was actually a debate at one time about it is there there was I, i don't i don't know why we're debating about this it's like San Antonio by a mile. Really? Yeah. I'm going to have to have some comparison restaurants. I like, really? I'm going to have to hold off on that. I have to do some fact <clears throat> checking in person. I'll see you in March. And then yes. we're going to go to Austin on the way. And I'll have a comparison after that. Okay. You can do that. Oh, by the way, March. Uh, NASPA is going to be in San Antonio mm-hmm. in my hometown. And so we'll probably do something live together. Um, I'm thinking at the friendly spot. You can Google that. And there may be a Spurs game on, on the time. So like several birds, stones, whatever ha- happening. Sweet. And P.S. I could be staying with you. We'll see. That is true. Mm-hmm. I guess it could happen there too. Like in my backyard. That would be good. I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we were going to talk about podcasting and how it's changed. Yeah. And I laughed when you said I took what a thousand hours or three and was it a thousand hours to do the first zero podcast episode and the 300 plus break drink you're like spend yeah. no time at all <laughs> so what does that mean for our quality of podcasting oh it's uh since I've started since I first started listening to podcasts which was I don't know, like 06 or 07, like early, like early, the early days of podcast mm-hmm. with, the ex- with the exception of a few of like This American Life, which was not intended to be a podcast, right? It was a radio show that kind of like led to like a lot of great podcasts. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like most podcasts were like this, right? There were people having a random conversation. It was a low production cost. They didn't have a post edits. Uh, it, it was, but now it's when I listen to some with, uh, on the Gimlet podcast. Oh yeah. When, and when I next, tuned into some of those based on your recommendations, like homecoming and reply all. And you're like, those are produced. Yeah. And they've talked about how they, there was one podcast and I don't remember which one it was that where they went through the process of like editing it. it lots of staff, lots of hours, lots of production costs. TV show. Whoa, what are you saying? We don't have a team behind us? We're not going to have someone else do all these editing, music blips, insert, commentary? Our our intern application will be out soon. <laughs> um, a thousand unpaid interns is what we're looking for. I think it's um, a good experience, though, for an intern if they were really thinking about, you know, <clears throat> getting their feet wet before going to the big leaves of Gimlet or NPR. Why not? Yeah. So, uh, and so that's one thing. Like, now there's... I guess when we were doing Brick Drink, there were other podcasting networks. There, they were largely around tech, though, right? Like Leo Laporte's Twit TV. Um, there was the Five by Five, the guy who started Five by Five, and he's in Austin, actually. Dan something, I forget his name, uh, and some podcasts that they have. Those are lar- largely tech-centric uh, podcasts, um, and now there's like there's Gimlet. Um, Panoply, 
has their podcasting network where they have it like the ringer which was formerly bill simmons of grantland and espn like they have like different podcasts in case you wonder where jeff knows all podcasts and he'll recommend many to you and they're great because if you're like stuck painting your house you listen to all the recommendations from jeff and i kind of got off podcasts for a while um just because my schedule wasn't the same i wasn't commuting uh the same way on a car or subway or whatever and yeah i just got out of the habit until i got a dog that required me to walk him a bit more and so (laughs) your recommendations for like reply all crime town fantastic by the way and some other like random asides that we've swapped i think it's been great and what's been neat is to see others in higher ed producing podcasts so we left in 2013 with a great great cast of characters from break drinks. We had like many different sub things like the res life, the campus activities, the NCAA or the college sport one and the R tech one. But now there's way more awesome podcasts out there in higher ed. Yes. And, um, I was very sad that the, the pro reps aside podcast didn't continue going. Uh, I loved Valerie and Matt and I love their podcast and I listened to that and, uh, they stopped a couple of years ago, I guess. I don't know when they stopped. Maybe a year ago. Okay, um, yeah. Um, but they, but I love that there's, they did, there's the Student Affairs Spectacular. There's, I, I, there's, I yeah, like there's I, Higher Ed Live with Student Affairs Live. I feel like I shouldn't name them because I'm going to leave someone off because there's so many now and I, I can't keep up with all of them. Um, but um, do you want to name something you listen to often? Yeah, I'll give a shout out to um, Teaching the Higher Ed. I like Bonnie St- Javiak, who's done a few, the Topcast podcast from University of Central Florida. Um, we have... I probably listen to Research in Action a whole lot. That's with Katie Linder, and she has her own You Got This podcast on the, on the side. Um, those are the ones off the top. Oh, The Imposters. I enjoy them. I listen to them, and frequently they talk about creativity. We have our own old uh, alumni from Break Drink. Sue is part of that. That's Shoe Cockle. Actually, didn't she get married? She has a new last name. She does. She's I always Sue Cockle to me. I'm stick with that, though. Same. We don't want to get confused with us. And I'm just looking through what else. Um, those are the ones from higher. Oh, Josie in the podcast has yes. one. You were, um, you have your uh, additional podcast, right? The women who whine in higher ed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wine without an H. Yes, which is um, great because it's like killing two birds one stone. Mm-hmm. I agree. And is that weekly, monthly? How often do y'all do that? Uh, that's monthly. We do about a happy hour, and that's through Google Plus. So people can join us with their couple, whatever. It doesn't have to be wine. I think some of the crew of podcasters are actually on a cleanse in January, so they'll be drinking like tea, herbal tea or juice. And so you come, we have a chat, we talk about. It has been about women in higher ed and some issues that come around that, but we've branched out to include the the men and others who support women in higher ed, and then just conversations around um, leading to uh, what it means to progress to a new job or job search. So yeah, those are some of the issues we touched on. Our next one is, I want to say the 25th of January. Okay. So have you listened to the homecoming podcast? The first episode? Yes. With Catherine Keen. Cause I need to, I need to, I need to chat with someone who's listened to homecoming and so far I have not found anyone. I can't decide 
if I think it's great or if I think it's horrible. I haven't decided yet. Are there only six episodes? Yeah, like that's the season, I think. Okay. And I guess they're having so, more seasons. We'll get through it by Saturday. So next time we talk, uh, we can talk about Homecoming and as a side. Because I played it and Fierka, my partner in crime, he was like, what is this? I was like, uh, it's not one of those recommendations from Jeff Jackson. He goes, oh, I like Crime Town, so I'll listen to this. <laughs> so the uh, so Wiretap was on the Canadian Broadcasting Channel? Is that, yes. is that what it was? CBC, um, yeah. CBC, whatever the acronym is. Mm-hmm. Um, Canadian Broadcasting Resnick. Company. Thank you. And the host of that, whose name I should know, and is also a familiar voice on American Life. Um, I can't think of his name, but he we'll has. Look it a, up, and we'll put in some, some show notes. How's that? Yes, he has a new show on Gimlet called Heavyweight. So I, I guess that the CBC show is a wiretap is no longer a show. I think it wrapped up as well. Yeah. And I think there's more narratives that are out there, or. I think a lot of people started tuning back into podcasts and I blame and thank Serial because I think they kind of got into episodic what's next um, and then they spun that off into TV like how to make a murder and uh, I think people got more intrigued and the crime genre might lend itself well or suspense or to the next episode but yeah, I think anyone who's making a living off of podcasting now, which is weird that that's a thing, but uh, I is. think they can. I think they can think serial. It really had a surge of podcasting popularity. Gimlet was in the process of creation when Serial came out, and they were and they raised money like a. Their first podcast was called Startup, and they were chron- they were chronicling their startup, and they they treated it as if like a like a tech company startup like they went and found okay. venture capital funding and uh, even from th- from some silicon valley people and so their season one of that was chronicling their company each season afterwards they have like a many many updates of like where they are in their company so that's kind of that was interesting and it was alex bloomberg who you may know formerly of planet money and then yeah. formerly of that of this american life and he's the one who who started it and so if you've listen to those you'll enjoy kind of hearing hearing alex seems to be like a decent good guy and so you kind of cheer for him for that but he talks about how the popularity of serial like kind of helped in their funding Um, because because people all of a sudden knew what podcasts were and it was a median like what is this thing and 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 serial and then gimlet i think another thing that's changed about podcasts is it used to be a thing where ever so often wanted to show up in your feed Mm-hmm. And on a weekly or monthly basis, a lot of times weekly, though we may not be weekly, so don't get used to that. But a lot could be. Weekly, you never know. We might have yeah, some well, gems. If we're, the, if we're in the mood. And now people do like, the, like uh, seasons. So mm-hmm. it's like we're doing seven or eight of super high quality podcasts. And then it's gone for like the rest of the year. And then it comes back later on. It's like the old TV episode season model, which is – Kind of weird because they're all over the place now that uh, Amazon, Netflix, and other uh, areas produce TV and made-for-TV stuff. And that's becoming even popular in the award shows. I think I heard um, Alex more part of the Reply All podcast. So that's the internet-based one you recommend. And I went to the archives. Like We went back to 2013 and listened forward just to hear 
how that show developed and progressed. And they mentioned Startup, which I've been meaning to listen to because I knew it was the start of, of Gimlet. However, I haven't gotten to it yet. I have too many podcasts, really, I have to rip through. Um, but you're right, more people are listening and more poor, more people are producing. And I'll give a shout out to Katie Linder, who gave, like, How to Podcast. We'll put a couple episodes of hers. She does um, How to Podcast audio, and she actually creates transcripts, which we won't, because that might be um, projection from any legal lawsuits. But she offers them as show notes, which is great, and they're a really helpful resource guide that if you want to learn how or you want to start your own podcast as an individual, that's easy. If there's two of you, you may have some sound issues to work through and recording, let's say, for a couple hours today. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking. So one might say. Hey, I listened to our last or maybe one of our last Campus Tech episode podcasts. I might be wrong. It was like from September 20th from 2013, Yumi and Bruce Beeman. And we're prolific is what I decided. We should have bought. <laughs> um, no, I laughed because it was a Google Plus Hangout is what we used to do. And you could hear us typing and searching for stuff as we always do. And um I think we were a different kind of format looking at technology, but we were really into it because we were talking about, I'll tell you, I took notes so I can make fun of us. Kindle Fire, uh, data plans would change. They, we said that they soon will charge for extra data usage. Our iPhones and screens will be the size of an iPad is what you said. And we talked about um, online textbooks challenging the textbook model and publishing in bookstores. So whether it's cheaper textbooks, different versions, and open um, educational resources, OER. But we know that um, textbooks and also devices like Bring Your Own will change the classroom experience. And man, we were right. So we should have bought a lottery ticket then. And, you know, that sort of thing. All right, we're going to leave it there this week. For Laura Pesquini, I'm Jeff Jackson. You can find us on brightdrink.com on Twitter, slash brightdrink, slash Jeff Jackson, slash Laura Pesquini. Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell whoever you need to tell that we're back and we will see you sometime soon. Thanks.